0: So, Sandra Ray, this is our second podcast on relationships, and people out there would like to know, what is this vow of happiness that you talk about?
1: Yes, well, I learned that from a book I read called The Tethered Soul, and I thought it was a great idea. And what it is, is you decide and make an agreement with yourself that you're going to stay happy no matter what happens out there. In the external. And, uh, you know, sometimes you flunk because you do get affected by things. But by taking the vow, it helps you to remember to try to stay happy no matter what.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I know uh, Tara Singh used to talk about not being affected by the externals. And that we always have a choice of what kind of inner... State of being we're going to choose, and um, even if it's something challenging, uh, he always said that as an opportunity for growth or or meeting the challenge. That it it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. And so I think the course also says today I will judge nothing that occurs. So would you say that's kind of similar?
1: In a way, but you know, one of my ministers said the same thing as Taraji. He, he gave a talk on it in LA, and he said, let's not be affected by the external. And so I thought, what a good idea. I'm going to try that for a year. So for a whole year, I tried that. And of course, sometimes I did flunk, as I said. But by making that choice, which is the same thing as taking a happiness, I was able to do much better that year than usual, mm-hmm. and <laughs> not let things bother me.
0: Do you think it's important to kind of identify your weak points, like where you usually get upset? Like I know from myself that um, when I there are a couple of things where most of my upsets are in these categories. One around uh, finances. Sometimes my fear of the future and fear of of uh, financial abundance coming in, you know, that's one place where I get activated. Mm-hmm. And the other place is if I feel overwhelmed with too much work, and then I get a little bit irritable if I have too many things to do at once and so I know those areas are where I usually go off so that's also where I have to give my attention to this vow of happiness
1: Right. is it working for you?
0: yeah I think it's working better and um, I, I think the other important thing is that your partner, since this is a podcast on relationships your partner has to be supportive and not always kind of pointing the finger at your weak spot, you know? Yeah. So can you comment a little bit on that? How well, how how you can best support your partner getting through their areas where they get activated that would prevent them from this foul of happiness?
1: Well, for one thing, criticism doesn't work. I mean, criticism kills relationships. So... <laughs> You have to make a decision also that you're willing to hear what your mate says and you have to have a love of correction, which you've taught me that. That love of correction, I think, is really important because, you know, self-analysis is the most important thing. So what you're doing is you're saying, okay, I can take this vow of happiness, but these are my weak areas. And that's called self-analysis. And then if you tell me those are your weak areas, then I could point it out gently, uh-oh, that is coming up for you because that's your pattern and how can I support you is what would be the best thing to say.
0: Yeah, well, I think there's a, a way you can be gentle with your partner when you know um, they have certain tendencies or weaknesses and all the more reason. It's like you need to love them more through those periods. So. Right.
1: I think that's good and you just like I say be careful how you bring it up because if it's a sensitive area then you have to be more gentle. The problem is when people judge their mates or uh, criticize their mates uh, that, uh, in an area where they're weak they might feel hurt or they might feel more activated. <laughs> And it doesn't really work. So you have to come up with a way to support your mate that works for them. So you have to say, well, how can I help you when this weak area comes up? What do you want me to do? You want me to point it out? You want me to say something, not say something? Let's discuss how you want to handle it.
0: Well, there's a lesson in A Course in Miracles 101 that says, God's will for me is perfect happiness. So, would you say that this vow of happiness and that lesson are consistent?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, people sometimes don't feel like they deserve to be happy. So, one has to understand that point. You could take a vow of happiness and what if you have a thought, I don't deserve to be happy because I'm not good enough or...
0: I'm not important. I'm
1: not important or I don't matter therefore I don't deserve to be happy so you also have to process those kind of uh, thoughts like I don't deserve to be happy because why and maybe if you're raised in a strong Catholic religion or something you feel like you have to suffer and so your religious dogma could interfere with this vow of happiness
0: yeah so what you're saying is people are very much affected by these deep subconscious judgments they have about life or about themselves and in liberation breathing work we call it a personal lie. Can you just say a little bit more about what a personal lie is?
1: Yeah, a personal lie is your most dominant negative consciousness factor or your worst judgment about yourself. It's a negative thought you have about yourself and it's your worst negative thought about yourself and everybody has one and of course some people have many negative thoughts about themselves but there's usually one that's the strongest And it's often a pre-verbal thought that could go all the way back to birth. So usually you can't discover your personal lie by yourself. You need a breath worker who knows how to process you. And this personal lie is really tricky because it's an addiction. You could have been thinking it your whole life or maybe several lifetimes. And in most cases, you might have incarnated with that thought. So you kind of believe it's true. But God did not create you with that thought, so it's not true. That's why we call it a personal lie. But, you know, personal lies are tricky because, as I said, they're addictions. So they keep coming up and they keep coming up. And you really have to breathe out that thought. You can't just change it overnight. It's in the cells. So you have to breathe it out. And it creates a lot of havoc and it ruins your self-esteem.
0: So are you saying, like, these thoughts like I'm not good enough or I'm a failure or I'm bad that almost everybody has a thought like that in their subconscious
1: yeah everybody does
0: (laughs) I mean you I've heard you say unless you're um, you know your parents were immortal yogis or enlightened beings you're probably going to have inherited some negative thought from your family or your upbringing
1: Yeah, well you have those from your family, but this one is something you personally decided based on your birth trauma, based on your past lives, and so on. Mm. So you didn't really get it from your parents, although they had a personal lie you might have picked up too. And this thought definitely, definitely interferes with happiness. So you could take a vow of happiness, and then if you have a thought I'm a failure, for example, Okay, you keep failing, and then you wonder, well, how come I can't keep my vow of happiness, you know? Mm. (laughs) Yeah. So there's more to it than just saying, I'm taking a vow of happiness. That helps, but you also have to process these deep subconscious thoughts.
0: So what you're saying is you have to notice when you're not happy... And figure out why and undo whatever that
1: causes. Right, and you can figure it out easily. You can say the thought, I'm, the negative thought I'm having right now that's making me feel unhappy is.
0: Uh huh. Well, we wrote a book on this personal lie, and it's called Liberation: Freedom from Your Biggest Block to Pure Joy. Um, people can get that on Amazon by Sandra Ray and Marcus Ray. And I think that it helps people see and understand the seriousness of this thing we call the personal lie. And, you know, for years you collected, when we would have sessions with people, you'd collect these personal lies and you ended up with a list of like over 300 of them. And that's in this book. So Mm -hmm. um, people could get that book. And see and read it, and see where their personal lie is in the list, and also see how it manifests in their life
1: yeah, that's an important book, and definitely mastering that book makes you happy because all the things that it says in there are, are keep you from keeping your vow of ha- keeping prevent you from keeping your vow of happiness
0: and it also gives a what we call the personal lie undo redo process where uh, it's a number of steps that take takes a person through to release their personal lie, because it's it's kind of a stubborn addiction, isn't it?
1: Yes, stubborn yeah, addictions are stubbornness. You know, uh, I, I <laughs> you have to say I I give up my stubborn refusal to let this thought go. That that's one thing you have to say.
0: Could could you say in that in that vein that? some of us are kind of addicted to not being happy
1: i would say so (laughs) especially now if your parents weren't happy you didn't learn what it's like to be happy and maybe they were fighting all the time so you think that's normal and (laughs) you know and then the, the church tells you it's not okay to be happy your parents weren't happy you never learned it you know we've had clients that just just really didn't know how to be happy if you grew up in a very happy home, you're lucky. Then you you know it's possible and you have some experience with it. Mm-hmm. But that's the goal, is to learn how to be happy and stay happy. And uh, joy, I, I would say joy is the main result of enlightenment. So if you are willing to get enlightened, you have more joy. And that's, that's the goal in life, is to experience joy and share it with others.
0: So some spiritual teachers say when you... Uh, have on one side what you don't want and you have on the other side what you do want you should focus more on what you do want than the negative aspects of what you don't want so one way of maintaining a vow of happiness would be to just make a list of the things that you want or that you have that make you happy and give your attention more to that.
1: Right. I, I interviewed a guy once who was a millionaire. And I said, what's the secret? And he said, focus on what's working. Okay. And don't ever forget it. And then he walked away and I thought, wow, that's the right answer.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, often we're focused on what's not working in our life uh, and ignoring the fact that maybe 90% of our life is working and 10% isn't. But we'll put our attention on the 10%, so or maybe it's only 5%. So part of the vow of happiness is to be focused on the things in your life that make you happy or that bring you happiness. And as you're in that vibration of joy, joy attracts more joy, Right. the things of more joy. So it's a matter of attention, isn't it? Right. What you give your attention to.
1: Exactly, and the point is you should observe your thoughts and keep raising the quality of your thoughts. It's a spiritual practice. Every time you catch yourself with a negative thought, you're going in the wrong direction. You're going away from happiness. So you say, oh, I don't need to keep that thought. Some people just indulge in their thought, negative thoughts indulge in their negative thoughts, and they feel worse and worse. But you have to observe your thoughts and change them to a higher quality thought. that's one of the secrets of happiness.
0: Well, sometimes we find ourselves in families or relationships where the people around us aren't happy. So what would you tell people how to maintain happiness when the people around you are not in a state of happiness?
1: Are you talking about when they're growing up with their family or later on?
0: Could be any time in life. Like, um, you know, often you say, well, my... I'm responsible for my own pain or pleasure and others are responsible for theirs. Could could you also apply that to happiness and say, well, I'm I'm responsible for my own joy or my own sorrow and others mm-hmm. are responsible for theirs.
1: Right. Well, yes, and you, you know, if after you leave your family and go on on your own as an adult, it's important to notice what type of people you're hanging out with, what type of people you're working with. And if they bring you down, you may not want to stay with or around them. You want to have people who are happy that lift you up. And if you hang around other people who are happy, it's contagious. Mm. So you got to be careful who you hang out with. Uh, when you're growing up in your family, that's another story, because sometimes you're just overwhelmed by the mind of your parents. And it might be hard to stay happy. You know, for me, I grew up and my father was always sick and in the hospital. Uh, I had to, as a child, I had to really, you know, try not to be ruined by that and stay happy anyway, which I tried to do on, on my own. But it was hard at times.
0: Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, I think there still is um, responsibility everybody has to kind of make this list of, of um happiness you know the things that make you happy the uh the things that when you engage in them they bring you more joy and get that more in your life and as you give more attention to the things that bring you joy it's easier to maintain this vow of happiness
1: Right, well, you shouldn't really be doing things you don't like to do. That's one Uh, rule. Yeah. Some people are doing things they don't like to do, or they're in jobs they don't like, and, you know, we don't recommend that. If you're in a job you don't like, why are you doing that, you know?
0: Well, yeah, that, that would be very hard to maintain happiness if you were in some kind of a work situation where you didn't get along with the people or you didn't actually like the work you were doing, so... Yeah, maybe you could say a little bit more about that because Babaji said work is worship. Um, what What did he mean by that?
1: He meant that you, you should uh, go to work, love your job, and serve everybody that you are working with and serve everybody that comes to you there and that you should see your work as a form of worshiping God. And if you can do that, then you will really enjoy, enjoy your work. Now, if you can't do that, Then you're definitely in the wrong job. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, some author wrote this book, Do What You Love and the Money Will Follow. So, I mean, isn't it our responsibility to do the things that we love, even in our work situation where we're doing something to support ourselves for money or for income? So isn't it very important that whatever that is, that we really enjoy it?
1: Yeah, and I say, well, if you have a task to do, you should enjoy it. Now, there's three ways to look at it. If you can't enjoy it, you could change your attitude and decide you're going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Or you could find somebody else to do the task if you can't enjoy it. But you shouldn't even do tasks you don't enjoy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, <laughs> there's you can often change your attitude and start enjoying it. But some people can't do that, you know. Like, for example, I like to iron, so I enjoy it. Now, I know people that hate ironing, mm. so they can't seem to love it, so they, they should find someone else to do their ironing for them. Then.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, this is sometimes in a couple, uh, they get uh, in an argument about who's going to do what housework, and, you know, I, uh, I thought I was the luckiest man in the world when I found somebody who liked to do laundry and ironing, Keep my clothes all neat, um, oh. because not not all women like to do that. You oh know? really?
1: And, oh. <laughs> um, yeah. That's hard for me to understand. I think it's fun.
0: Yeah, my mom my mom actually liked to do it. My grandmother loved to iron. Mm-hmm. So, but in my first marriage, I I kind of got a. Uh, you know, person that didn't really like to do that kind of stuff. So. Well,
1: I also discovered steaming, and that's easier than ironing. Uh-huh. <laughs> you can steam the clothes, you know. Well,
0: isn't it true that you can take any menial task and turn it into something that you love to do?
1: If you change your attitude, definitely. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, there are certain things that we have to do um, that in life that could be drudgerous or... Like, I just spent a a good amount of my day putting together a spreadsheet of all the people who are coming to this Breathe that we're giving in Australia starting tonight. And, you know, it was very tedious, hours of finding the names and the emails and making the list, but I was really happy doing that because I knew every person on that list is going to receive something really wonderful from the Breathe. And when I have everything in order uh, on the list, and I know I've got everybody down and their emails and their names, it's almost like I can be more present because I know I've done that background work and I'm very organized. And I know that everyone is going to be there and I know who's not going to be there. If they're not there, oh, they should be there because they're on the list. Who would be there? Who's not on the list? You know so it gives me a sense of order. Yeah. And I think for for a lot of us order and happiness go together. Yeah,
1: you like order and I like yeah. order. I think I think that makes us happy to we both like order and we keep our apartments extremely in order. So I think that makes you happy also. And you know if you have clutter and it's not cleaned up it's hard to be happy sometimes.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that we've given people enough uh, insight into this vow of happiness that they could take this podcast and start changing their life and start doing things that make them happy.
1: Right. Those. So
0: what what is this vow of happiness? Do you have to just say I'm taking the vow of yeah, happiness? Yeah,
1: I decide. I decide. I am now taking the vow of happiness, which means I'm not going to let myself be Affected by the external in a negative way. I'm going to keep my happiness no matter what's going on out there. That's, that's the vow. You take it and you decide and you say it out loud to someone. Yeah. And then you do the best you can and remember that vow.
0: Yeah. And I think that book is by Michael Singer. It's yeah. called The Untethered Soul. Oh, and yeah. it's a chapter uh, where he talks about taking this vow of happiness. Right. We found it very useful. It's a very practical thing to do. So, thank thank you, you, everyone. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you.